Welcome, Sister Havana, to Geek Salad, episode 234, soundtrack for the working for working at the games at Whalen Park, side two. Uh, to, now we're going to be talking about our favorite albums of the year 1993. Um, if you missed part one, or side one as it were, uh, where we talk about the singles, you can check that out. It should be the episode right above this one in your podcast player. So we're going to kick this off first off with our friend Kurt Smith, who brings up a few albums that we are going to talk about. Oh, and now, by the way, my name is Andy. Yeah, I was waiting for you to introduce us, uh, Mike. Damn it. And I am Catherine. And we may or may not be joined by Joe. We are still waiting on him. It's been a week and still <laughs> car's not working. So That's a bad car. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are going to continue um, with some social media feedback from our friend Kurt Smith at Swayze of Arabia. And some of the albums were actually on our list. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to talk about those while we're here. So he brings up Counterparts by Rush. The Wedding Album by Duran Duran. Also the just the self-titled Duran Duran album. Um, and that was actually on Joe's list. So I did tell Joe that we'll do uh, justice to his picks while he is in absentia here. Um, the Wedding Album took me by surprise as to how popular it was. Oh yeah, this is this Joe. is when Duran uh, Duran definitely was graduating from what they were in the '80s to what will eventually mm. be Mom. Well, it, what was funny was that they had had you know I lifelong Duran Duran fan. I saw that was like the second concert I ever saw was them in 1984. I nice. loved Duran Duran, but then like towards the end of the 80s they they kind of did their little side projects they did the power station they did arcadia and then when they came back they came back as a three piece for um notorious and there was another album which i don't remember because they weren't great albums and pretty much had written them off and then in 1993 ordinary world hits the charts and it charted really high and i'm like Wait, this is Duran Duran? This is great. It's a great song. And um, you know, follow that up with uh with Come Undone. It was like, wow, they're back. And they're still really, really good. Um, they're actually coming around this year. They are still touring. They have never actually broken up. Hmm. You know, forty some odd years later, they've never broken up, but yeah, I genuinely like this album. Um, I, I was telling you guys offline that there's a few songs, you know, it's like they've got about three truly great songs, then some stuff that I had to go back and listen to and see if I remember liking it or not. But 
I'm yeah. undone. And um, Ordinary World, uh, both excellent. Yeah, when, when I heard Come Undone on the uh, playlist, I was like, I know this song. It's not a bad song. I had no idea it was done by Duran Duran. Yeah. I, I for the long I, I I've heard it before and I've never ever realized that it was Duran Duran. Yeah. Well, so. a lot of it was too. It wasn't heavily synthesized. It's like they had gotten rid of like that new romantic sound that they have had, you know, up into the, in the mid eighties. Hmm. And it's more it's more it's more stripped down sound and it, it worked really well. Any thoughts on this one, Catherine? Um, no, 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 it's, 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 you know, it's fine music. It's not, you know, again, like I was saying earlier, it's not the Duran Duran I remember from the eighties. It's yeah. A little mellower. I still prefer Rio. I will always prefer Rio over anything else. But. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's going to be a fair, uh, fair point around everyone. Yeah. Uh, uh, hungry like the wolf. Yeah. Yes. Those are those. That's my Duran Duran. But this is fine. Like when it came up on our uh, shared playlist, I was like, oh, yeah. OK, cool. Yeah. But I again, like was, this song. I remember enjoying this song and identifying it as, you know, it was one of a, a, there's another album we will also talk about that. I will also qualify as mom rock. <laughs> and this yeah, is one that. Yeah. All right. So we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll talk about that as well in just a little bit then, I guess. Um, all right, so Kurt also brings up, Catherine, this one is on your list. Undertow by Tool. Yep, I have to. Maybe we could just talk about it now. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, I was I was introduced to this in college, and it it definitely was like very strong. I like disgustipated because all of the silliness with, you know, these are the cries of the carrots. The rabbits are coming for us. <laughs> but now I'm reading, and it's like in the liner notes they credit the comedian Bill Hicks who some oh. people think faked his death and is now Alex Jones. Oh, <laughs> so, so beyond whatever else you know that's not great about the band Tool, there's that. <laughs> so I'm like, I didn't even check my, I still own my CD from college, and I'm like, I'm not even going to check. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to verify this. I don't care. I believe it based on what I know of them. But 
it's still like the kind of music I put in my head. You know, I will I will play Undertow when I'm like at, at my last job. Sometimes my coworkers were being too damn loud, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> Like, who takes a conference call on speakerphone at their desk in a tiny room for crying out loud? <laughs> so, I, uh... Yeah, I... What I like I about this is that it's... Very loudly it's loudly because it drowns out everything. <laughs> what I like about this is that it, it, like, it started to break away from the grunge sound. This has got that heavy driving bass underlying yeah. all the songs, um... The vocals are just very dour. They're not. They're not pretty at all. And that works. It makes it. Ma- it works for what Tool is trying to do. And their video is just fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, Mike, you listen to the. You listen to it on our playlist. Any 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 outlying thoughts on Tool? Jam. Yeah, I mean, Tool's not really my thing. Um, That's I mean, a way more polite thing than you want to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I heard both Sober and Disgustipated on the playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they were songs that I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sober and Prison Sex made the rounds on radio that played that kind of music. Disgustipated, I only heard on the album. And I mostly like it because of what it talks about. Yeah. It, it, I understood it back in college. But yeah, it's... Yep. Dis- Disgustipated is also like a super long song. So I think... Because I listen to a lot of this stuff in the car. I just kind of like start to zone after a little bit. It's just... I don't know, but I do love, you know, Prison Sex and Sober are great. I love Sober. Sober is one of my favorite songs of this era. But yeah, they, they made a super so impression on me, so I had to bring it up. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so that brings us back to Kurt's list here and see what else he may have hit upon ours. Uh, Versus by Pearl Jam. If you want to hear our, our thoughts on Versus by Pearl Jam. Check out uh, part one if you haven't done so already. Acid Eaters by the Ramones. Again, Kurt's a huge Ramones fan, and I love that. Um, and then we have uh, one of my picks, In Utero by Nirvana.
Now, In Utero is by no means an inferior album to Nevermind. It's not as it's not as good, but it's not like a, a it's not a huge disappointment. There's a lot of really great songs on there. Um, um Andy Heart Shaped Box, yeah. Technically speaking, if it's not as good as the other one, it is inferior. Okay. No, I thought about making that, but he was he wasn't saying it was. Yeah, yeah. Super I know, I know. Mm. So it's like it's right. it, you know, inferior. You know, it depends on how you measure inferior. Right. Inferior feels like a big jump. Yeah. If I if but, I'm giving Nevermind but, an A, if I'm giving them a solid A, I'm giving In Utero a B plus. All right, cool. Yeah, that's 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 yeah. why I'm gonna jump on the uh, the, the vocabulary. <laughs> Yeah, and I was expecting you to do it. <laughs> no. I thought about it and then went, you know what? You're, that's not what you're saying. You're saying it's not right, as, right. but that doesn't mean inferior. It's just, <laughs> it's lesser than, which I, I also understand Mike's point of it's inferior, but it's it's not significantly lesser than. It's just like right. a step below. It, it's Yeah, it's a step below. It will never hit the heights that, and honestly, it's never going to hit that feeling I got when I first listened to Nevermind. Nevermind was like a revelation that things in the in music were going to change. Um, not based on the top Hot 100 list, as we've talked about for the last three years, <laughs> but in terms of our, um, in terms of just what was going to be top selling records. It was moving away from metal. It was moving away from pop, and it was something that was just like it was something that I'd been listening to since high school and now finally was getting its due. In Utero is its follow-up. The first lyrics um, on In Utero from Serve the Servants are Teenage Angst has paid off well and now I'm bored and tired. <laughs> and it's just like, it's a perfect summation of of Nirvana at that time, there was all the pressure of getting this album out. Um, a lot of stuff had happened. I mean, it was a whirlwind. If you think it was only two years in between these albums getting released, not even a full two years either, between these albums getting released and then having to like tour relentlessly and do the promotion circuit and then having to go in the studio and make this monster, um, it came out damn good uh i love heart shaped box um yeah that's a all good apologies one. which gets a better it gets i think gets a, a better second life on their um mtv uh unplugged um is is a really sweet song and you know i love i love serve the servants um penny royalty is 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 a gorgeous song it's very sad but there's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff in there, and it really I think more showcases the songwriting ability Kurt Cobain had, and it's kind of mm-hmm. sad. This was it. This was the last album that he put out. Yeah, because that's where, that's that's how it's getting tagged. It's just like this was Kurt Cobain's last stuff. Can we li- listen to the lyrics and see what drove him to kill himself? So yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I don't. I don't have a lot of thoughts. I'm agreeing with you on the, like the songs you cited. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and Nirvana so let's um, is 
really not my cup of tea. Yeah. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. So, I uh, Kurt, thank you so much for uh, giving us some albums to talk about and really kicking us off here on on uh, Parte Dos of our conversation. So, Mike, because yeah. Kurt didn't hit on any of your albums, why don't you, surprise, why don't you surprise. tell us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you got for us? Uh, all right, we'll start with my uh, my big one, and that is the one I've been waiting like three years to talk about, <laughs> In Pieces by Garth Brooks. Midnight and wine Two shadows start To softly combine The picture their pain Is one of the heart And to those who have seen it It's a true work of art Oh, the red stroke Passions ungay Thundering moments of tenderness, rage, oh, the red stroke, tempered and strong, burning the night like the dawn. Okay, now this is your favorite Garth Brooks album, correct? Um, it is. It is up there. It, it's either. My- this one is either my favorite, or it's either this one, or oh bother! I'm trying to look at look for my Garth Brooks albums here. Um, yeah, it's either this one or Fresh Horses. Okay. And I think Fresh Horses is '96. Okay. Uh, nope, '95. So. Okay, so you know we'll be talking about that in two years then. Yep. Yeah, but this if 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 it's not. Fresh Horses, then this is my favorite of his albums because it's got like some of his best songs on it. I mean, okay, uh, pulling out the album. No, that's not the right album. <laughs> Should have had this prepared. I'm sorry. That's I'm not okay. titles off the top of my head, and I have listened to country. So. Oh, I don't have what's crazy to me is the 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 amount of albums he released in, in a very short it, within two years um you know between rope and the wind yeah there's a whole bunch of albums in between this before we get to 1993 within pieces yeah I mean um and really Garth Brooks is the one that kind of got me into country music um mm-hmm. ironically at Whalen Park. Nah. <laughs> yeah um and down at one end of the park um i was sitting at one of the games when and there's nobody else there because you know that's how it was during the week and they had a little puppet show booth and you know they'd have like different shows in which they'd have different um marionettes like of, of various singers doing various songs mm-hmm. and they had a, a country one and they had some garth brooks songs and just the you know, just watching the puppet show because I had nothing else to do. I was like, you know, I kind of like those songs. So I started listening to country music and boom. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, this one, it's got, you know, um, possibly one of his best songs, Standing Outside the Fire. Okay. Um, which is much, 
his his songs are really kind of interesting because some of them sound more country than others. I think Standing Outside Fire definitely does not sound all that country. I think it sounds more pop country than anything. Yeah, uh, it definitely leans more heavily huh? country. Yeah, it leans more heavily into guitar riffing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and the music video is actually really, really excellent. Um, but yeah, I mean he's got um uh, Colin Bat Rouge, which is definitely more country, but it's got that still high energy feel to it. Uh, ain't going down till the sun comes up, which is just a fun song all all around. American Honky Tonk Bar Association, which is a very country song, but still just <laughs> one of those old kind of like line country line dance fun songs. But easily my favorite song on this one is one that does not get a whole lot of play. And the music video for it is it's up there with. Um, uh, oh, uh What's that? Da, 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 oh, take on me. Yeah, that that and that album, that music video, and the music video for the Red Strokes are two of my all-time favorite music videos. Um, but yeah, the Red Strokes—it's all—it's just kind of, kind of, almost describing love. Um, but you know, it's. It starts off slow, but it quickly gains a lot of energy. Um, and yeah, the music video does a whole lot of really interesting, like kind of backwards photography with paint flowing. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's also really, really hard to find on YouTube because um, he's pulled most of his most of his stuff away from YouTube. Yeah, it's. Finding anything for Garth Brooks, especially in context of just preparing for the show, is a task. Yeah. Um, I and might have to it's, it's rip- difficult to, because he did the deal with Walmart, and that's a thousand, yeah. like, a thousand little pinpricks. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I think I say this every time you talk, bring up a, a Garth Brooks album, is that Garth Brooks, you know, just like in your case, made country really accessible, uh, mainly to, to us northern folk. Um yeah. So it's it is interesting, and what I, I like I I've, I've I've been talking about how I've been reading these old blogs of like every episode of Saturday Night Live, and Garth Brooks hosted twice as a guest, as, as a host, not just as a musical guest. And like going back and looking at those things, he actually was really funny. He fit in well, and he had a good sense of humor about himself. So it's. Yeah, like, you know, while I'm not a huge fan of his music, I, I definitely appreciate that he was trying to do something different and was able to to be in on the joke. That is the thing about Garth Brooks is that he's always willing to kind of kind of venture outside of just country music. Um, he's not. And like like when you go to his concerts, he goes all out to do as good of a show as he can possibly do. I mean, um, yeah, you know, he'll. He's not averse yeah. to like climbing up the scaffolding if he, you know, if the music takes him. Yep, yeah. like a real cowboy. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> he, also, he also did, you know, he was also Chris Gaines, right? Yes. Yeah, we we don't. We talk got a few that. years before that one. <laughs> do not to mention well, Chris Gaines. We do just putting on different hats. Yeah. <laughs> well, that one was no hats. That one was just and kind a of a soul patch. 
Yeah, yeah, he had a soul patch to that one. But, you know, the, the fact that he was willing to go out there and embrace it and do different yeah. things. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I was just, you know, not judging Chris Gaines, just being like, yeah, he's Chris Brooks, Garth Brooks, sorry, is a very big guy. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you mm-hmm. for, for sharing that. No um, well, we've got a ton of other, uh, albums here that we need to talk about. So let's, uh, let me, let me, I'll, I'll get, I'll get us kicked off on. On one here, and what I talked about uh, about two years ago when we were talking about like debut albums, I got to talk a little bit more about Exile and Guyville by Liz Fair. I'm not going to sit long on this. If you want to go back and listen to the uh, the episode where we talked about great debut albums, but listening to this and just realizing how ahead of the curve she was um, in terms of not being not being part of the Lilithair crowd, which she could have easily been lumped into, and not being like a super punk princess or a goth princess she was you know liz fair 1993 was what she was which was just unapologetically sexual and feminine and just had such a keen eye for writing songs and just taking various various styles of music and putting them onto this one album um it's it's her debut album it's he was a huge gamble and i think it paid off well. So I'm not going to say a whole lot about this because we've, we've talked about her before, but check out the album. It's on Spotify. Exile and Guyville. Any thoughts on this? <laughs> Any new thoughts seeing as how you get to listen to a few extra songs? Um, Not a whole lot of new thoughts. I, I do like Liz Fair to an extent, but um, I don't find her, you know, I don't find her as creative as you do. Yeah. That might be because okay. I like other other female artists with similar voices at the time. Mm. But that's also just me. I, I like more off of uh, <laughs> basic. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Mike, any thoughts? Any new any new thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen to some of her songs uh, in the playlist today. Um, they're, they're fine. Um, don't really jump out. I mean, just not my real style. But yeah, they weren't. They weren't odd. Like, I guy was like, oh, I gotta skip over the song. I was like, okay, it's, I gotta listen to this song. It's fine. Not I really did. I had to go back and listen to the the episode. I had to go back and listen to the episode where I talked about it before to make sure I didn't hit the same song again. So, okay. <laughs> just be on the safe side. I don't want to repeat myself. 
Yeah, fair. <laughs> All way. right. Catherine, why don't you hit us with one of yours? Okay, I did get special dispensation to talk about something from 92 that I didn't talk about last year because yes. it didn't hit any chart as far as I know. And yes. for people that Hope Andy has allowed oh. you to do this, so go for it. <laughs> Hearing about, you know, people who heard me talk about Tool will now get to hear me talking about Yo-Yo Ma and Bobby McFerrin. So this was something I got into later uh, when I found, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, you know, you say, oh, Bobby McFerrin, I love uh, that song that he did with Robin Williams. And it's like, no, 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 he's done a lot more and it's more different. I, I love his voice. I love what he does with it. He has a lot of fun. And the fact that he did an album with Yo-Yo Ma uh, and they just had fun with their instruments. Bobby McFerrin with his voice, Yo-Yo Ma with his cello. Yeah. It's it's a fun, interesting album. It's a combination of like original songs by Bobby McFerrin and you know classical pieces, and that they work on together. And it's just very interesting, very different. It's a nice like calm down. You know, put this on when you're like I you know I want to hear something fun, but not too hyper. Yeah. I've always I've always admired Bobby McFerrin also because he never wanted to be a pop star. He could have right. easily cashed in on the Don't Worry Be Happy money, and he never did. And that God bless him for Billy, that. Billy, Billy Bass, the fish thing. I yeah. hope he got on that. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, any other thoughts on Mike? Any thoughts on? Uh, um, I mean, I, I like Yo-Yo Ma. He's really nice chill playing. And I, I thought uh, Bobby McFerrin definitely added something to it. So, yeah. Plus, I'm there. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I was introduced to uh, Bobby McFerrin by like a, a housemate, you know, in my later college years, you know, in the later 90s. And was like, no, 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 listen to this. So I've, I've got several of his albums. And this is the one that came out in 92. Nice. Nice. All right. All right. Mike, what do you got? Uh, next, I'm bringing up an album that I could have sworn that uh, Catherine would take. Kind of surprised that she didn't. But um, yeah, it was uh, Weed Al Yankovic. Huh? I had too many other albums to talk about. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take up the slack with Weird Al Yankovic's Alapalooza.
this was the very first uh, Weird Al album I actually bought. Yeah, my my copy of the the CD has. Uh, do you guys remember buying any CDs at the Wall? Lifetime Music guaranteed. If anything goes wrong with your CD, they will totally replace it. The Wall. Does anybody know where there's a Wall I location anywhere? Don't remember the Wall because by this point. I was I was in New York, so I we didn't have the wall. We had nobody takes the whiz. I'm sorry, nobody beats the whiz. And uh, there was a the wall location at the Burlington Mall. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm staring at the sticker right now. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, this one's got you know Jurassic Park, Bedrock Anthem. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, living in the fridge, which is a parody of a song that we will be talking about later. And maybe I'll bring that album up next, uh, you know, to, to honor Joe. But yeah, which, go which for it. Kind of, kind of interesting yeah. that, that he did it. He did a parody of a song that was released in the same year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was really actually just trying to like put everything together, uh, like in terms of that. But yeah, no, you're right. Well, well, they were released at different ends of the year, so it would have been a little easier to do that. Uh, Alapalooza was released towards the end of the year. Uh, the Aerosmith album, which we're going to reference in a few minutes, uh, was released at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and it was recorded. You guys, hmm? yeah. go ahead, go for it. What? You go. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, and it was recorded late November, so I'm assuming that the. Um, the single for uh, "Living in Living on the Edge" came out earlier. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, uh, much earlier. Yeah, but in any case, um, um, yeah, he also does uh, th- this. I I was actually really impressed with this. He does a complete polka, a straight polka version of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, instead of mushing up a bunch of songs from the time, he just does Bohemian Polka. Yeah. And credited on the liner notes as Bohemian Polka, arrangement by Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, <laughs> which it, it's a really impressive take. But Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I, I think my favorite song off the album, though, is one of his style parodies. It's a style parody of R.E.M., some of R.E.M.'s early stuff. It's called uh-huh. Frank's 2,000-inch TV. <laughs> and it's just it's just such a fun little kind of a catchy little song. And he's, he's talking about how just absolutely gigantic this um, TV is. I, I, I've, for the longest time, I've wanted to do the, the actual calculations, find out how big this TV would be. <laughs> but I've ne- I have never done it because I'm not that good at math. Uh, but you know, like you know, I can watch The Simpsons from thirty blocks away. Um, yep. Uh, and and people, honestly, my favorite part of huh? Go ahead. Uh, that's three feet wide. Oh yeah, <laughs> Robert De Niro's mole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just but, leading into the uh, the uh, actors being un you know a bit sensitive about HDR. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite. Bit, though is just this is a quick little line but it's like and everyone can hear those 90,000 watts of Dolby sound 
Yeah. But when he says Watts of Dolby Sound, he actually layers his voice. And it is yep. such a really, really cool moment. Yeah, that is fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Of course, Mark was a spoof on a song that, like, I don't know about you guys, but I had never heard uh, uh, MacArthur Park before. Yeah. Yeah, I'd heard it. I'd heard it like once or twice before, but never really stood out to me. But you know, using that for Jurassic Park made sense. Yeah, it was perfect. And my like, I was you know playing the uh, you know I found out that MacArthur Park existed because I was playing the album for my mom, and she's like, "Oh, that makes way more fu- sense than the MacArthur Park." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and she was telling me about a cake melting in the rain, and I was sad because I'll never have that recipe again. Oh no. <laughs> And it's like the yeah, the Weird Al song is it was a brilliant choice to parody and also it makes much more sense. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever actually heard MacArthur Park. It's oh Christopher Lee oh, does it, man. It's weird. It it it's a product of its era. Hmm. Oh no, it's not Christopher Lee, a uh, guy who played original Dumbledore guy. Oh, is the voice. Oh, oh, Richard Harris. Yes. Richard Harris, yes. Shit, I actually think I have that album on vinyl. <laughs> the thing I most remember about the song Jurassic Park, though, is the uh, music video, which is all done in claymation, which is phenomenal. And yeah. there's yeah. the part where uh, the, T- the T-Rex bites the head off Barney. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, when I first saw that, you know, I... June did not like Barney, and so that always gave me a nice little smile. Yeah. Yeah, I I never liked Barney. Uh, Barney was past my time, but yeah, no, Barney's intolerable. The other one, like, I was listening to the other day, uh, because, of course, like, as I was saying earlier, I had the CD, and the other one that I know the the official video for is Bedrock Anthem. Oh, such a great music video. That is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that one actually parodies two separate songs. Yep. Yeah, because the entry, the intro part is um. Uh, pull it up here. Uh. Um. Sometimes I feel like I'm yeah. Vacation. Yeah, it's it's under the it starts with under the bridge, but it's um. It's, then give it uh, away. Give it away. Yeah. Yeah, both Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great song and it's a it's a bonkers but such a fantastic music video that even features um uh oh um uh, Dick Van Patten. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, great song, great song, great awesome. album, great music videos. Nice. Yep. Nice. All right. Um. So yeah, we did say we're gonna we're gonna talk about one of Joe's now because it ties it dovetails nicely into um living in the fridge, which is uh, Aerosmith's "Get a Grip." This is from Joe's list. Sky. If you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, 
what's funny about this al- i feel like this is like the last aerosmith album to really get any traction at all in terms of decent radio play like Aerosmith had this really bad habit around this time, like between Permanent Vacation and this album, their their leadoff single is amazing, um, and not the the song amazing, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But the leadoff single from this was <laughs> Living on the Edge, which sounds so different than everything else that was released on this. It's like uh, for Pump, it was Janie's Got a Gun, songs that don't sound like anything else on an Aerosmith album. But then this album devolves into – and SNL parodied this. It was Crying Crazy Amazing. All three songs are, were radio singles. All three sounds vaguely sounded the same. So they had like you know Aerosmith's Greatest Hits, which is Crazy Crying Amazing, Amazing Crazy Crying, Crying Amazing Crazy. And it was just – it's the same song over and over again at that point i was just like fuck these guys i can't anymore i just can't anymore i mean i like crying so i'm assuming i'll like crazy and amazing as well oh you'll have to (laughs) and god help god bless you mike if you can actually tell them apart if i were to hum one you'd be like oh yeah that's crying no that's amazing yeah yeah i mean i (laughs) i i I heard crying on my on my way home, so I know that one off the top of my head. I, yeah. Crazy and amazing. I I can't pick out right off the top of my head, but I'm assuming they sound a lot like crying. So cool. They do. Hey, nice. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and at this point, Aerosmith had just evolved into every other album will be their best of because Joe Perry's got a yacht that he's got to make payments <laughs> on. So. I'm not sure what Joe would have said about this, but um Sorry Joe. Yeah, sorry Joe. Just never been a big fan. <laughs> so alright. Uh let's move on. I'll grab another one from my list here. Um okay, and this is this is an album I really love, even though their sophomore album, which comes out in ninety five, is even better. Um this is the band Belly, and the album is called Star. I really enjoyed the songs from this. Yeah, it's Tanya Donnelly's voice is so just it's 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 sweet and angelic, but it's also gut. You could tell she was coming out of other rock bands. Um, I, I love I love the sound of this. I love the like the, the surf guitar style riffs that she uses in Angel. Um. It's it just seriously is one of those albums that you could you could drift off to sleep listening to it and the songs will infect your your mind with just how how good they are. That happened to me once. I was like, oh wow. I heard Angel as I was dozing off and I'm like, wow, goddamn, that's a great song. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I was definitely going to add this to my list of things I want to listen to more. Because, you know, I've heard, like, a little bit of Belly, but mostly on soundtracks. And so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yep. Well, yeah, more- yeah she, was on, she was on the Tank Girl soundtrack along with one of your picks. So... Um, what I love too is that this this ushered in like a like a lot of girl fronted bands that had like that type of voice that that sweet almost childlike voice but like these great guitar arrangements and it's just a lot of fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, what were your thoughts on on Belly? Um, I actually I I did enjoy it. Uh, it's not not something I'd like rush out to listen to, but you know, listening to the songs on the playlist, I was like, yeah, it's actually got some nice nice rhythm, nice groove, and she's got a really good voice. Yeah. So yeah. And it's it it's great because I I'm really excited when '95 rolls around and we talk about King, which I love even more than this. Um, yeah, I was I was really pleased too because I think I I put this on my honorable mention list last year. And then I was like, I I was looking at the releases like this got released in January of '93. Shit, I could talk about this. Excellent. <laughs> Yay, go me. Yeah, um, I actually just uh, just as I left work, um, Dusted came on. Yeah. And... Oh, I love that. I just just that the the riff in the bridge is just so. First of all, it's really easy to learn how to play. Um. But I just love how simple it is and just how it fills it fills in the song really nicely. And the, the, her vocal layering that, that that she does in that as well, where you hear her voice kind of like just slightly overlapped her voice, uh, you know, by another version of her voice singing. Hmm. So love it. So anyway, Catherine, you want to talk about the other artist that was on the Tank Girl soundtrack that is also gracing our albums list today? Sure thing. I will talk about Bjork's uh, debut single album, uh, Debut. Come on, girl. Uh, I, I like this, you know, this is another album I got into later uh, in the 90s. Uh, I got into Bjork, you know, beyond Tank Girl. It was like, oh, she's got other stuff. And I got into yeah. more of the albums. And uh, uh, Violently Happy did really well in the States. Um, you know, there was a lot of singles. Uh, you know, Human Behavior, Venus is a Boy, Play Dead, Bing Sensuality. Yeah. Um, all of them charted in the UK. Only Human Behavior, Violently Happy, and Big Sensuality were doing like well on the dance and modern charts in the US. Yeah. Personally, my favorite is There's More to Life Than This. It's it's really interesting. You know, it's it was done live at a club. 
And so, like, she moves in and out, you know, she's, like, doing a big song going, blah, and then she's, like, hides in the bathroom and then comes back out again. <laughs> and it's really interesting. I, honestly, this is the first time, because of your bringing it up, that I really gave the album a serious listen. I was never, like, I loved the Sugar Cubes. And so I was a little, you know being an idiot was just disappointed in what I had heard from uh debut even though I do like human behavior I love the I love like the drum the tonal drums in that but I was like I don't really know it's like certain Bjork songs I don't like and I started listening it was like I would in 1993 in college I would have been so down for this album and I'm like kicking myself that 30 years later I'm now like oh I really like that I like that yeah I keep getting violently happy stuck in my head today. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, like all, you know, all of the songs, it's a, a different smatterings of what she does. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I um, heard some Bjork songs while I was at work today. Probably the very first time I've heard a lot of Bjork. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Catherine, but it's probably going to be the last time. <laughs> Yeah, first song, first song I heard. Uh, first song I heard was the anchor song, and I'm like, this sounds like a Yoko Ono cover band. Mm. It, it just it, I it, I did not like it. It oh. That's fine. No, so, no, no, no. If, it if, definitely if, is not. This, it's definitely it not a for everyone type of music. Yeah, no, no, Bjork definitely isn't. And, you know, other than listening to our collective playlist, I would never have been like, Mike, you totally have to listen to this. I would never have done yeah. that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know it's not your thing. Uh, and Andy, I'm, I might have been like, you might be interested in this. Yeah. You know, Bjork, Bjork is definitely very niche. I will be happy if anybody that gets introduced to it is into it. Uh, but, yeah, it's it. she's very you know yeah again niche yeah yeah i, I happen to enjoy it very much oh, i do do <laughs> all right mike you're up all right well um since i went away from country with weird al i'll go back to country with uh joe diffie and honky tonk attitude can put my mind at ease if you fill my last request. Pop me up beside the jukebox if I die. Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Fill my This one is definitely more straight up country album. Oh but yeah. It, it's also just a, <laughs> all around just real fun album. Yeah, Joe Diffie um Joe Diffie's never really, really been one like, he'll have the occasional just like real um, real touching emotional song, but 
for a lot of his singles and uh, that Clinton Hayden uh, made radio play, they're just kind of fun. Um, like Honky Tonk Attitude uh, is just it's just like a line dance type thing. Um, um, John Deere Green. It's just, you know, again, just fun little song about like how the the uh, you know that John Deere green color, nothing can cover it up. So you know it, it you know it's telling a story about like this uh, this guy that climbs up to water tower and writes you know you know that you know, he loves his girlfriend on the water tower in John Deere green. Everyone's like, yeah, you should use red, but he's like, nah, green. You're never gonna get rid of that. <laughs> um, but. Easily my favorite song on it is just just an all around fun song. It's prop me up beside the jukebox if I die. Yeah. And you know it's just you know like just you know I you know it, it, it's like weekend at Bernie's with country music. It, it's you know <laughs> um put uh, put uh, like um I'm just trying to think of the lines uh um. Uh, you know, put a strip drink in my hand. Just put a, uh, like pay your, pay your last, last uh, respects one quarter at a time. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just an all-around fun song. Um, yeah, if you're not into country, you're probably not gonna have fun with it. But if you, if you can, you know, get past like the steel guitar sound and you know, yeah. the southern twang, there are a lot of just really fun songs on this one yeah we can and that's kind of the interesting thing when we when we have this kind of music exchange is that we do get to hear different types of music and you know eventually mike you're gonna find that one country like song that's gonna turn me around to the whole thing this is not that day but i'm not seeing that (laughs) is coming anytime soon yeah uh, probably not but (laughs) Yeah, but if, actually, if you do want to hear a good song by uh, Joe, a kind of emotional one, um, it's not on this album, but there's a, he does a song called uh, Ships That Don't Come In. It's yeah. a really, really nice touching one. Awesome. I do like Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox If I Die. <laughs> yeah. It's not the first time I've heard it, and I do like that one. Oh, <laughs> this like was the first time just, I'd heard it. Just all around fun. You know, he's he's not being serious with it. He's just having it fun, having a fun old time. <laughs> all right, Catherine, what do you got next? Uh, well, shouldn't it be you, Andy? Oh, maybe it should be me. Because Catherine just did um Bjork. Oh, that's right. You know what? I'm going to hit one of Joe's as well, so we can just talk about that. And that we've already talked about uh, the wedding album, so let's talk about Sting's Ten Summoner's Tales. <laughs> hey, sorry, I just had to interrupt for just one moment. As after we recorded, I got a message from friend of the show, Dave McLean, who just had to let me know that uh, his daughter Tabitha's favorite song is Fields of Gold from Joe's pick of Sting's Ten Summoner's Tales. So I figured I would drop right in and give a quick shout out. So Dave, Tabitha, enjoy. Now back to the show. More mom rock. Yep. (laughs) I'll admit, and you guys know what a big Sting fan I am. Yeah. This album hails in comparison to... uh, (laughs) 
two to the soul cages which came out like two years before it's it's got some decent songs in there and you can't escape fields of gold so she took her love for to gaze upon the fields of Bali in his arms she fell as her hair came down among the fields of gold will you stay not be able to ever escape fields of gold but oh is that the this is this that song album yep yep, okay. yep this is that album because when it came up on the playlist my husband was like is this dang yeah. <laughs> he was just he was like oh this song and i was like yeah and we declared yeah. it rock. yeah i i had i had the playlist on shuffle so there were a few songs that i didn't get to on that's one of them okay i didn't realize it was on there yeah I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, honestly, it's it's a better album than the one he like the one that came out at the end of the decade, the the one with um, Desert Rose. But you can kind of tell Sting is getting a little bored with the pop game. <laughs> like he's not really feeling it anymore. I mean, most of these songs sound like they were outtakes from Soul Cages. Yeah, and, they've all got that very like kind of gentle Sting feel. Right. right. Well, every every song has got like a parallel from another album. Um, you know, the the lead off single to this, "If I Ever Lose My Faith in You," essentially is um, all this time from the Soul Cages. Essentially, they're just they're just contemporaries to each other. Not to say it's a bad album. It's 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 actually a pretty decent album. Not my favorite Sting album at all, but um, it's really nice. And I think this is around the time too that he kind of revealed that. Love he loves tantric sex, and I think that overtook everything else about the uh that that absolutely uh yeah that was that was a big part of my conversation and apparently I, was this around the time that sex in the city was on because they had an episode no. about this okay no yeah no yeah that no. that that him being like wow okay nice yeah. <laughs> All right. so I'm going to circle back to one of mine. Um, I'm going through everything here that I've talked about. All right. Uh, the next on my list is Saturation by Urge Overkill.
and I, you know, I defy you to find a movie trailer in the mid, you know, the like the mid '90s that didn't include the the opening guitar riff to Sister Havana somewhere in there. You know, a lot of them were using the uh, soundtrack from uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves at this point. Oh, that's right. Yep. But this album is just like – it's one of those those things I had, I'd heard about. I think Brian Dermody had turned me on to the to this group, and they were just like – they were really cool because you know it's, it's a different style of alt-rock. It wasn't grunge. It's just the, these three dudes and sunglasses and medallions who were just experimenting and playing around with stuff. And while Sister Havana is like their biggest hit, if you're not counting – uh, their cover of Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, which featured in Pulp Fiction very heavily. Um, Stravan is just – it's just such a tight rock and roll song. But their other stuff, you know, I, the stuff I put on the um, – on our playlist, Night in Grey, uh, is – it's just it's it's just great, fun, doesn't take it to itself too seriously, rock and roll. Hmm. And – I just, I really just, I, I enjoy that about this band, and you know, Saturation from head to toe is a great album. There's not a clunker on the, on the entire disc. Nice. Yeah. Um, while I was listening to the playlist, I mean, I think the only song that of theirs that actually came up on the shuffle was uh, Sister Havana. But, yeah. Damn it, I was, I was tapping my feet, and you know, it, it yeah. got a nice groove to it. Yeah, nice. it's it's definitely it's it's definitely a song that most people, if you you don't even have to know who did it, you know, Sister Havana. I, I didn't know it, but it's, it's still a fun song. I, I had a lot of fun with yep. it. I did enjoy it a lot. <laughs> so awesome. Which is, I think which we can I move can't on. say about a lot of your albums. So, hey, yeah, hey. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the win there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Catherine, you're up next. What else you got for us? Well, I did have a late edition because as I was putting away some older discs, I was like, hey, when did Crash Dust Tummy's uh, God Shuffle His Feet come out? And I like pulled up my CD, looked at it, and I was like, <laughs> son of a gun, it's 1993. Once there was this girl who wouldn't go and change with the girls in the change room And when they finally made her They saw birthmarks all over her body She couldn't quite explain it They'd always just We have uh, songs like God Shuffled His Feet, uh, Afternoons and Coffee Spoons is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, mm, 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 mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. 
Yeah. Did very well. Which and also featured into a Weird Al parody at some point. It did do a, oh. a Weird Al parody of Headline News. It didn't make it onto an album, but it is out there with an official video. Get yeah. yourself yeah. on YouTube. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's only because of just the mm song. It was like it was so – such a huge hit that like anything else that came after it was just going to get overshadowed. It peaked at number four on the U.S. Hot 100, according to my Wikipedia search. Yeah, sounds about right. And uh, it did even better in the United Kingdom, where it was number two. And in Australia, it went to number one. And uh, Weird Al did his parody in 94. But the, uh, you know, it was, yeah, Crash Test Dummies was like, they came together and were trying to put together a, a, you know, their Canadian and they were going for a not so serious rock band bar yeah. thing. You know, they were they were they were a bar band, and then they got signed because they were in that kind of style at that time. Mm. So this was their their second studio album, and it did really well in the uh, uh, internationally. Nice. Mm. Awesome. I don't awesome. mind Crash Test Dummies. They're, they're yeah. definitely not my style, but. Yeah, I don't find them offensive. They're not offensive to your style either. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah. Is a <laughs> it? It was overplayed something fierce. But um, yeah, it's not an awful song. It, it it got a I guess it got a lot of play. I don't remember it as well as God Shuffled His Feet. That one that one really like called out to me. Although now that I now when I listen to the album, I like Afternoons and Coffee Spoons. Yeah. Nice. So, all right. So, um, Mike, what do you got for us next? Well, whoa. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Sounds my phone, but it was and it was on a CD cover, so it made a lot of noise. Uh, Oh, geez. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. Anywho. Uh, well, uh, since I did country last, I'll move away from country to the most different album on my list. <laughs> very ne- very Necessary by Salt and Peppa. Here I go, here I go, here I go again, girls, again. what's my weakness? Man. Okay, then chillin', chillin', mindin' my business. Word. You saw that I looked around and I couldn't believe this. I swear, I stand, my niece, my witness. The brother had it going over something kinda uh, wicked, wicked. Had to kick it. I'm not shy, so I asked for the digits. I hope no, that don't make me see what I want. Slip, slide to it, whip me. Felt it in my hips, so I dip back to my bag of tricks. Then I flip for a tip, made me wanna do tricks. Like a lollipop should be lit Came to my senses and I chill for a bit Don't know how you do the voodoo that you do So well, it's a spell hell Makes me wanna shoot, shoot, shoot <laughs> Mike, there is something so funny about it Because like, the song Shoop was in my head. This is like when I was living in Virginia. I was working at um, Lord and & Taylor, 
and it was in my head, and I was I was I was just doing some work, putting something away, and I was just like kind of singing somewhat audibly out loud. I was like, "There I go, there I go, there I go again, girls. What's my weakness?" And two of my floor managers, <laughs> both at the same time, shouted, "Man!" <laughs> well, there's a Pavlovian response right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, Mr. Country Lover here, there's something about salt and pepper. I, I just, they, yeah, and you know, so before you go, you know, shouting at um, also Joe for no leaving it at off his list, that's, this is why, because I get it on my list. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Who doesn't like salt and pepper? They are fun. Oh, they yeah. are fun. They I are mean, fun. I mean, it, it, since the '80s, they've uh, uh, you know I hate to use this term in re- reference to a hip hop group, but they're very non-threatening. They're very radio friendly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their three biggest hits off of this one: uh, "Shoop," which has gotten a new life thanks to Deadpool. Yep. Um, yep. What a man. And. None of your business. I, I I was listening to this that one um at work today and just it's it, you know it's yeah you know, it's it's cool it's, you know it's yeah if I if I want to do this it's none of your business it's, <laughs> you know everything everything about salt and pepper is just so much fun um yeah non threatening but they still got that kind of R&B slash rap feel to it. Yeah. That really, really works for me. I'm not the biggest 90s rap fan, but some have always worked always work for me. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. It's, it's very fun to listen to, and it's just one of those... Honestly, this was like one of those tapes I think somebody got through BMG that you should just play constantly in, in the dorms. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Joe has got one, one album left on his list and I'll cover it quickly. Cause I know we're running long on our part two here and it's getting late and I gotta go to bed cause I gotta work in the morning. Uh, and that is the cranberries. Everyone else is doing it. So why can't we? I thought this was I thought this was song was this album was on your list, Andy. Yep. No, honestly. So uh, realistically, I like 
The Cranberries put out an album about two years later that I really liked. This one was like one of those just warm cups of tea on the radio station. And I didn't mind it, but the this album wasn't like one of my one of my favorites. It's a very good album and it brings back really positive memories like listening to Linger and listening yeah. to uh Dreams. It it brought back a lot of just like warmth, which I really liked. But oddly enough I like their darker stuff. Uh Salvation, Zombie, we'll get to those but <laughs> yeah, we'll linger. Those in a few years. Linger was a one another one that just haunted my days at Whalen Park, <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. In the same way that REM's, um, you know, uh, yep, yeah, it's the end of the world as we know it. Oh, yeah, yep, fair enough. Yeah. I just remember I, being uh, stationed out, standing, uh, sitting outside, whack a mole, just hearing that song. Like, I want to whack those moles so hard right now. <laughs> I, the thing is, I love Doris um, Arroyo's voice, and that's really what makes the band. I couldn't name another member of the Cranberries, but Dolores's voice was just so gorgeous and it had like those slight irish twinges to it but it wasn't like a full-on it's not like the proclaimers yeah. where you know you sing everything in the, in the scottish accent with with her it's just like those nice little irish like the the o's and everything just really rounded out nicely so yeah and your thoughts on the what's that uh nothing else on this album i was just gonna talk about the 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 Bad Wolves, where they were going to do the cover of Zombies with her, and unfortunately, she passed away before they could record it. Yeah, yeah. I remember you brought that up um, when we talked about cover albums a few years, uh, cover songs a few years ago. Yeah, that's a really good cover. Yeah, it's a really good cover, and it's it's nice that the band has original songs that also really hold up. But yeah, it's it's, it's too bad because she was like looking forward to doing it. So. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I think we've each got like one album left on our list here. Yeah. I'm fairly certain that's. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm gonna. Nope, oh, I'm... Uh, kick off my final album here, which is Counting Crows, August and Everything After. If you want to talk about an album that first is accessible to 
a lot of different radio audiences, this is the album. It's got the mom rock aspects. It's also got the alt rock aspects. <laughs> if you like just folky rock, it's got that going. And it's just – it's an, again, an album where there is not a bad song on it at all. In fact, I'll be honest. I like some of their deeper tracks more than I like their lead-off singles. I like, I like Mr. Jones. Um, I like Round Here, but like one of the one of the songs I put on our playlist, "A Murder of One," is is just it's such a great song because it's got a lot of great just a lot of great moving parts to it, and it's also a sly, um, sly nod to the name of the band. So. Mm. Yep. Uh, Mr. Jones, they did make fun of that on an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, Adam Duritz had just like the worst like white man dreads ever. But <laughs> and he, he doubled down by growing them out and then growing that weird hipster goatee, mm. like that mustache and goatee. that looked like it was like painted on. But yeah, overall, this album, I mean. I remember years ago when we talked about our Desert Island albums. This was on Jim's Desert Island list. Um, and it's just it's it's just these, these fantastic little songs um, just about like everyday stuff. And I, I just I, I really just can't say enough great things about it. If you haven't listened to August and everything after, if you were alive in 1993, where the hell were you? Um, but I, I enjoyed this one. Nice. Yeah, I Adam Duritz's voice does not do it for me at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not subtle and it's not pretty, but no. it gets the job done. I think for for the type of music that they're playing, it gets the job done. I'm glad that you feel that way, Adam. Uh, <laughs> Andy. Andy, not Adam. Yeah. Uh, yeah sorry, My grandmother Adam does that because I have a cousin named Adam. So. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> and we have my grandmother's ninety nine years old. Cut her a break. So <laughs> co-host that was named Adam too. That's right. You die there. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So, uh, Catherine, what's your last? What's your last pick? All right, we are talking about nineteen ninety three. I can finally introduce you all to Moxie Fruvis. My story reading, baby. You should hear the things that she says. She says, Hun, drop dead. I'd rather go to bed with Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Cuddle up with William S. Burroughs. Leave on the light for bell hooks. I've been flirting with Pierre Burton because he's so smart in his books. I like to go out dancing. My baby loves a bunch of authors. My heart's so broken, bleeding. Baby's just sitting there doing some reading. So I started watching some TV, played my new CD player too. She said, turn it off or I'll call the cops and I'll throw the book at you. All this arguing made me get dizzy, called my doctor to come have a look. I said, doctor, hurry, he said. Don't worry, I'll be over when I'm finished my... Yeah, I, I listening to the playlist, I heard this, I heard, um, what was the first song I heard? Uh, I think I heard Video Bargainville first. Yep, <laughs> and I'm just like, this is from Catherine. Catherine's. It's got to be. Yep. <laughs> it is. 
such an odd eclectic bunch of songs yeah they they get into their first major label release they like have comedy but there's also like personal issues social issues environmental issues it it covers a lot of stuff it's amazing yeah these guys remind me so much of the dead milkmen that's interesting a lot of people i you know played it for back in the 90s compared it to they might be giants and i'm like yeah, there's funny, but can you hear the harmony? Can you hear the strength right. of the harmonies? Well, I feel like their music was it didn't have the quirk of They Might Be Giants, but it had a lot of the conversational feel of how the songs were going kind of like the Dead Milkmen, especially their their deeper cuts. I will say my my we were driving my I was driving my daughter to school. And um, she lo- she really enjoyed the song. My baby loves a bunch of authors. Yeah, that is a great song. Yeah, I, uh, I that one came on while I was boxing up a bunch of stuff today, and it was just like, this is just a fun song. Yeah, yeah, they 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 have and and those were the those were just the songs I put on the the playlist. Like Spider Man is also very goofy, a uh, good time, and then there's uh. Laika is a little bit dark. The Gulf War song is a lot, but you know they they just demonstrate their their skill and their ability. It's it's a really good uh, playlist. And I was listening to this, and I was I was listening to uh, King of Spain, which is my my entry song into this band. And I was like, did he just say Crokinole? Because my husband uh, this past year bought a copy of the game Crokinole. And by a copy, I mean we now have a three-foot circle of wood that is a (laughs) shuffleboard game that whenever I think about it makes my fingers hurt because you're flicking hard pieces of wood across this board and trying to get them in a specific spot. It is a a popular French-Canadian bar game. (laughs) And when I heard that, I like got out you know i because i'm a total dork i got out my cd i busted out the line notes i took a picture of it of of the lyrics and circled crokinole and sent it to my husband he was like that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) they're so french canadian that was that was another (laughs) like the albums i've i've got they've got like a a song that's done in uh, a french canadian yeah you know, so they mostly the most most of their songs are in English, but they have a song that's in uh, uh, French, but it's Canadian French because when I played it in Second Life for friends of mine that were in uh, uh, in France, they were like, I can't understand this. <laughs> I barely recognized it was French. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Yep, about I'm sorry. In the future. Okay. Hmm. Awesome. Yep. Mike. Yep. Take us home. Yeah, I've got one more album and going back to country with uh, Cheap Seats by Alabama. Call it a win, go off to toast 
the boys again. That local band is back in town. They got a kind of minor league sound. They're not that bad. They're not that good. But all in all, it's understood. Um, Alabama, they, they're a group that they've been around since like the seventies. Um, yeah. and you know, they've had a few albums in the in eighties, the but this was the first of their albums to really kind of like really kind of hit for me, especially the song cheap seats. Cause yeah. Yeah. It, the song it, I mistook as being called mustard and relish when I first yeah. heard it. <laughs> Understandably so. Um, yeah. And that's it. Actually, is how I take my hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this one uh, TLC ASAP, um, just fun song. Uh, but the last song off their album, "Angels Among Us," is definitely a much more. It kind of it starts actually just straight talking, and it's got almost a choir, a, a choral feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I think it was the first one. I think I heard this "Angels Among Us" before uh, "Cheap Seats," and I prefer "Cheap Seats," but "Angels Among Us" is it's it's a very touching, very very nice song. It, it's yeah, but yeah, if if I had to suggest one to listen to, it'd be "Cheap Seats" because it's yeah. just a lot more accessible, a lot more fun. Yeah, it's 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 more kind of in the in the vein of like that style of country music. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Awesome. Uh Catherine, any thoughts on cheap seats before we wrap up? Uh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, guys, this was a fantastic conversation. As always, I love our music conversations. Yeah. Catherine, was there anything else we left off of your list before we uh, we finish up? No, I think we covered everything. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, if you want to check out our um, YouTube playlist, if you want to get a feel for some of the songs on the albums we talked about, you can just go to um, our YouTube page, Geek Salad uh, Podcast, Look through our playlist. I made it public, and it's just Geek Salad Music of 1993. So check that out if you're looking for a hit of something different. Um, And next episode, uh, we are going to be moving over to television. And, Mike, I believe this was your idea, right? This this, uh, topic was your idea? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are going to be the the, uh, best TV finale, TV series finales of all time. Yes. I am looking forward to this because I have thoughts, yeah, and I can't wait to to express them to a, to a wide audience. Too many great shows have just on that finale did they just missed the mark, something fierce. But yeah, every now and yeah. then you got one that just nails it out of the park. Yep, but you're right. Most big shows shat themselves on their yep. on their finales. So oh, big time. 
Yeah, so we are looking forward to putting that out to you as well. So uh, when the call goes out, you can let us know. And that's by following us on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. Uh, we're also on Hive and Mastodon, which we never use, also at Geek Salad Radio. We're on Facebook <laughs> at Geek Salad Podcast. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, we do have a YouTube channel, which not only offers that great playlist, but also gives you great uh, retro movie reviews hosted by myself and Mike, sometimes Yay. with Catherine when we do our Muppet movies. Yay. So you can uh, check that out there. If you're a first-time listener, thank you. Go back and listen to part one now, um, and you can check out all <laughs> of our stuff wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Google Podcasts, wherever. Um, I want to thank everybody who contributed to the show. Joe, sorry you couldn't make it. Uh, I hope we hope I didn't shit on your albums too badly because I genuinely like the Sting and the Cranberries albums and Duran Duran. Um, I want to thank everybody. I also want to throw a special shout out to our friend Tom Green, who used to host Movies After Work. Uh, he has just started a new podcast called Perpetual Cinema. I had the honor of being uh, one of the inaugural guests on his shows as nice. I talked with him and Mike from the Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast to talk about uh, whether the relevancy of the Academy Awards. So it's a great listen. You can get that. We're at, you know, the same place you listen to us here. So give that, uh, give that episode a whirl. And until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Catherine. Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.